Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make. Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani, along with my daughter and co host, Lauren Simonian, welcoming you to another session of self coaching where real life emotional struggle whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. Hello, Lauren. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Enjoying this spring-like day. Yeah, kind of nice out, isn't it? Yes, it's wonderful. So today, Lauren and I will be discussing weight loss, dieting, and most importantly, weight mastery. Mm. Mm. But first, before we get into our discussion, I'd like to get our gastric juices flowing with this little song. Are you ready? (laughs) I can't wait to hear what this is. On top of spaghetti. Now I'm kind of hungry. This is cruel before long. So, what do you think of that? Yeah, Yeah, I'm ready for some pasta, yes. Remember pasta Sundays? How could I forget? (laughs) Yeah, so just a thought, just listening to that gets things happening. And one of those things which we'll be talking about is ghrelin. That's the hunger hormone. And uh, it becomes rather active once we start thinking about those foods that we love, especially the comfort foods. Mm. Do you have any comfort foods? I have many comfort foods. (laughs) (laughs) Give me one comfort food. One comfort food is pizza. Mm. Just feels good. I'm I'm going to use you for an experiment here, speaking about comfort foods, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna mention a food and, and I want you to think about it for a second, okay? Okay. Cinnabon. Thinking? Thinking. Okay. And anything going on? Um, well, I feel like I can kind of smell the like cinnamony mm. and like a little bit of... Um... Uh, I feel like there's more saliva in my mouth. Ah, you got it. You did it. When you think, I can see, I call this mind tasting. Mm. Because first of all, mind tasting isn't just a mental phenomena. It is a physical phenomena as well. Just thinking about Cinnabon, you start by smelling that cinnamon. But then what happens inside your body? Well, Saliva starts to be secreted, fatty acids, gastric acid, insulin, blood sugar, all of this is going into your bloodstream, just thinking about Cinnabon. And this is what starts a craving. So when we talk about cravings, we're talking about mind tasting and how our minds really come into play. You know, I wrote a book called Thin From Within, and and I had a real struggle with the uh, publisher because... I didn't want the book to be entitled Thin From Within, although that's an okay title. I wanted it to be Mind Over Mouth. What do you think Mm. of my, you think my title makes more sense? 
Yeah, I well, especially if you're talking about controlling your thoughts to control your behavior. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's but thin from within rhymes, so I kind of like that better. Fine. Sorry. All right. So what we're going to be talking about is lots of good stuff today. But you know what I'd like to start off with just by saying, I think that how everyone relates to food is kind of a metaphor for their life. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Tell me more. No, so you don't know what I'm saying. So well, I have an idea, but I just want to be clear here. <laughs> there will be no grading. So take a shot. But <laughs> But whether, you know, let's let's say you're out of control with your eating, or let's say you're lazy about what you eat, and let's say you're impulsive, let's say, you know, so I think that if you look at your food habits, it's kind of consistent with the person that you are, right? Mm. Or consistent with the behavior of that time, because as you were saying that, it just reminds me of these cyclical patterns that I tend to go through in my life, like in times when I'm stressed or busy, my eating habits will typically take a turn for the worse. And then in times when I'm more in control and, and have more time, I'm more apt to be more aware of being healthy. Yeah, and I guess what I'm saying with it being a life metaphor is that those, those same issues that you have with food or without food, it's, it's all just part of consistency with who you are. So taking control of your life in one aspect really does bleed over into another. And that's why it's so important to, to not be a victim of food and cravings and uh, you know just compulsive eating. So we'll be getting into that today. I'd like to start us out by just saying there are three enemies to weight mastery. And they are harmful emotions, such as anxiety, panic, irritability, boredom, even boredom, mm -hmm. um, adverse circumstances. You know, sometimes we have stressors, we have IRS audits, we have things that stress us, and destructive habits, you know, things like just lethargy, worrying, watching TV while eating. So those are the three enemies. And those enemies need to be understood if you're going to really have a concerted effort to taking charge of your culinary life. Hmm. So harmful emotions, adverse adverse circumstances, and destructive habits. What do you think? Makes sense. Yeah, that, this, that about covers it. <laughs> so you don't think there's a fourth enemy? Uh, well, I guess actual hunger, right? If you're, if you hmm. are extremely hungry and then Hmm, never thought of that. You're, mm. you're, yeah, you're right. Actual hunger. Uh, as opposed, and we've got to be clear right from the get-go, there's hunger and then there's mental hunger, which has nothing to do with your stomach or your depletion of chemicals in your body. It has to do with the mind saying, right. hmm, like that Cinnabon. Boy, I'm hungry for that Cinnabon. But are mm -hmm. you really hungry? Well, uh, you, you probably are not really hungry, right? Right. It's so true. Yeah. And the word hunger um, just means like wanting more of something. So sometimes you're actually hungry for food, but most of the time or a lot of the time you're hungry for something different, like an emotional hunger mm -hmm. often too. Absolutely. Emotional hunger. That's a good way to put it. Could, could I ask you going forward now with the rest of your life that before every meal, you do a kind of enemy checklist? <laughs> <laughs> Do yeah, mind? sure. You know, just just ask yourself, what am I feeling? What are the circumstances of my life right now? And what are the habits? Am I 
setting myself up to succeed or fail. Mm -hmm. It's not such a big deal. That's actually one of the pillars of mindful eating is really becoming aware of your triggers for eating and noticing if you're actually hungry or, or if it's one of the enemies creeping in. Tell me about mindful eating. What do you mean by that? Um, mindful eating is just a way of like re like rooting into the idea that eating is really supposed to be enjoyable and like a natural way of meeting our nutritional needs and our energetic needs. And so it kind of brings you back to trusting your body wisdom and being able to really differentiate between the signals of hunger versus, you know, the the enemies, as you say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to be mindful and you're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, the thing is that we, especially let's take watching TV and eating, you are mindlessly eating at that point, right? Yes. So, you know, you're just shoveling food in without really regard to the chewing process, the salivation process, the mastication, the mastication process and all of that. So, so mindful eating, but I do think the, the, if you're having a problem with weight loss, I I think the enemy checklist, I think that that is helpful in this society. It's, it's all over. You, you can't go anywhere. Some call it comfort foods. I'm going to call it junk foods. They, they contain large amounts of fat, sugar, salt, and they produce opioids in the brain. And these are the same chemicals found in morphine, heroin, and other narcotics. You know, so, so the thing is that food is not just innocuous. Comfort, highly palatable foods, they are addictive and they can be addictive. Now, not everyone is addicted to food, but would you go along with me if I said that certain foods have an addictive tendency? Yes, like ice I would cream. definitely believe that. Yeah, and and what would be your your downfall? Your opioids? Mm. Ice For cream? Me, yeah. uh, I think I like salty, salty mm. food. Yeah, salty. Okay. I, I do like salty foods too. Uh, and, and we all tend to gravitate towards sugar and salt and stuff. That's why potato chips. Remember the, I don't know if you remember the old Lay's potato chip ad, bet you can't eat one. Do you remember? Oh yeah. 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 They knew what they were talking about, right? That's so true. Yeah. I know. So, and I, I even try to do that trick where you like put a couple in a bowl and then leave the room and eat out of your little bowl and then I just continually refill it. Uh, it doesn't work. <laughs> well tell me a little bit about your diet. Are you on a diet? Have you dieted in the past? What are you familiar with this concept of yo-yo dieting? Ugh, yes. Yeah, I I was on diets for on and off for years. Um for no real reason other than this feeling that I needed to control what I was eating. Yeah, I guess I wanted. Well, you were never overweight. Right. Which is why like thinking back, I don't know why I put so much time and effort into, there was so much focus on, on dieting and it never worked for me because it would always go from one extreme to the other and like a yo-yo, like you said. Mm -hmm. So I try to now think of it more of like a pendulum, like how do I find balance and um, enjoy healthy foods with the occasional Mm -hmm. indulgence. So to me now it's more about like how how do I feel? And a lot of those foods you were mentioning that have those addictive qualities, like they're delicious and addictive, but they also don't make me feel good afterwards. So I've started to, you know, when I go to eat a food, I'll think about, 
uh, what will it feel like in 30 minutes when I'm done? So that helps me a little. Yeah, and and we used food as as a drug. I mean, uh, you know, just comfort food. The reason it's comfort food is because it comforts us. It, mm. it just, it's a dopamine dump into the brain and dopamine is that feel good chemical. So, you know, I think it's it's really important to recognize Sometimes it's not hunger that drives us, but it's that that quest for uh, you know that high. Whether we're feeling a bit down, what about boredom? Isn't I'm so bored. You know what what will what's the first thing you think about when you're bored? Well, maybe I'll have a snack, right? Mm, yeah, so true. And also, I know we talked about this another week, but boredom. There's a little bit of anxiety that comes along with being bored. Like you, you kind of feel fidgety and, you know, like you need to figure out what to do. And I remember reading and it makes so much sense to me that sometimes when people feel anxious, they eat or overeat to, to feel grounded in their body. So like when you're actually eating the food or, or and it's digesting inside of your body, like it kind of brings you back to your body instead mm. of being stuck in your mind. So a lot of people don't realize it, but they use food as a way to soothe anxiety or mm. boredom. Yeah, anxiety, stress, depression. Uh, again, you know, these, these are the uh, opioids. These are the, the, the dopamine dumpers makes us feel better. But, you know, I always say until you swallow <laughs> and it's gone, then you're back to your reality. Uh, so it's, it's a temporary fix. One of the things that always impressed me about the compulsivity of food, you know, especially in a restaurant, if you, if you look at adults, when they get this enormous dessert, you know, put in front of them and you look at the expression in their face, yeah. it's, it's like this, this euphoric, yes, <laughs> yeah. And and I always make a distinction and I, I tell tell people and patients, I say, if you're really wanting weight mastery, you have to you have to eat like a mature adult because the comfort foods, the impulsive eating, it's eating like a child. Children want what they want when they want it. And adults who eat like children want what they want when they want it. And uh, so it really it really is, I think, important for you to ask yourself, am I eating like a child or am I eating like an adult? Mm. Good point. How about yeah. you? I bet you eat like an adult. Well, you're into like veganism and, and all kinds of uh, well, stringent. Well, going a little stuff. too far. I mean, I'm a vegetarian, but I, and I tried to be a vegan, but I couldn't resist the cheese. You, you're so. a, you, you failed veganism? I did. Yeah. Oh I got God. degraded to vegetarianism. It, it was that kind of depressing when you realized I didn't, make, <laughs> didn't quite make it? <laughs> didn't make the cut yeah but that's it's interesting I, I was thinking about that earlier because I knew we'd be talking about food today and I I do have a difficult time with cravings or comfort food like there are times where I just can't resist it and I've learned not to be too hard on myself for those times because it's it doesn't happen daily it's just like every once in a while and so I try not to attach too much um, judgment or guilt to it because I don't you know, I don't want to spend my whole life thinking about food if I don't have to. But when I think about the vegetarianism, it's so interesting because I love or loved meat. It was like one of my favorite things to eat. That to me was a comfort food. And we and we denied you meat growing up. Remember, we said, sorry, <laughs> no. Lauren, no meat today for you. Not true. No. But I, will, I think it was about seven years ago. I just I had seen like a documentary on animals and just decided that 
that was it. Like I wasn't going to eat meat anymore. And so we, <laughs> it happened to be the day before Thanksgiving. I saw the documentary. <laughs> I had my one last meal on Thanksgiving with my turkey and, oh, and God. never looked back. I smell the hamburgers at the barbecues and it smells delicious, but there's no part of me that even considers eating it. Wow. So I don't know where that willpower comes from. I think it comes from having like a really strong why. Mm -hmm. And I think that possibly, you know, I'm not preaching vegetarianism at all, but I do think that once people can identify with what is it, why is it important to, you know, control the things that you consume? And maybe the why is just because I want to feel mm -hmm. the best I possibly can in my body. And that why is a good why, you know, just wanting to lose weight to look better or whatever. That's probably not a strong yeah. sort okay. of why. And that's, you know, an optimist is someone who starts a diet on Thanksgiving. Well, what about me the day after Thanksgiving? <laughs> um, but but you, you bring up an interesting uh, transition there. And that's that, you know, we're talking about weight loss and dieting, but also our relationship to food, whether you, you live to eat or you eat to live. So I guess where, I guess you would say you more or less eat to live, right? Yeah, I spend a lot of time, like I said earlier, it's just kind of learning about food and then doing all different sorts of diets for a long time. And the amount of time and energy I put into planning my food and focusing on my food, it just, it was kind of consuming. And I kind of just came to the conclusion that I want to free up my energy for living and allow my food to just be part of the experience. Mm -hmm. um, but I know that that's easier said than done because it's, there's a part of us that wants to control it by, you know, writing down every single thing we eat and counting all the calories. And I think there's something to say for that, especially in the beginning, if you're trying to break habits and get onto a new routine, I think it's, it's probably healthy to do for a short time. Yeah. And then sort of transition into more of our natural body's intrinsic wisdom when it comes to eating. Like we, we know how to eat. We just have to mm -hmm. sort of remember or unlearn all of these emotional attachments and all of the addictions we have to the high sugar. Well, people listening to you, you know, as a vegetarian and someone who did enjoy meat, Mm. Uh, you decided you made a, a decision not to eat meat. It was a, a moral conviction. Uh, did you struggle with it? I mean, was it was there like a, a withdrawal period what you went through? How, how no, you... and it's so funny because I stocked up my refrigerator and freezer with all of those meatless products that resemble meat at first. So I had like the meatless hot dogs and the meatless chicken wings and all of these things because I was so afraid that it was going to be really hard. And I never needed them. Like it just, I, so when you, I don't when, know how to describe it because when, it, when you hear the Arby's commercial, we have the meat that doesn't bother you. Um, it's well, and it's funny because I actually will still get those reactions. I forget what you call it when you start to sell mind, mind tasting, mind tasting. Yeah. Especially when it comes to like an Italian hero. Oh, like one day, I don't know. I'm going to have one one day, but that, <laughs> that, that was always my, my favorite thing was an Italian hero with all the different meats. Um, and my, you know, I used to eat it without the bread. I would just eat the meats. I just loved it. So I don't know I guess my attachment to it is gone I, I just know that it's not yeah I'll, I'll, I, I, I'm not that far behind you I mean I went through a 
a veganism period. And I too failed out of vegan school <laughs> <laughs> with honors. But, uh, but I, I more or less, because of health reasons, uh, I tend to, uh, for a long period of time, did not eat meat. I mean, occasionally now, I mean, very rarely. But what I do is I trick myself. I, for example, if, uh, and I don't eat cheeses either, which is very hard to do for me. Mm. I'll take the cheese off the pizza and just eat the pizza, kind of the crust itself. And it gives you kind of a sense that you're eating pizza. And, you know, a lot of these uh, meatless products, if you, if you have a meatless hot dog and just put a lot of mustard and relish and sauerkraut, you really don't know the difference. You know, a lot of times, a lot of times it's not the meats, but it's what, you know, the, the condiments and stuff that we throw on top of stuff like that. So, so I don't, I, I don't really miss meat. And I would say that 99.5% of my diet is total vegetarian and, uh, and I don't eat dairy either. So there you go. I'm still, yeah, there. you're more of a vegan than I am. That's for yeah, sure. I'm still on the vegan, uh, the newsletter list they keep sending they want they want me back in vegan school they do oh yeah. see they just released me without a second thought i it's funny because so becoming a vegan is a very strict way of living like you have to be really prepared to be a vegan because you can't just go out and live your day and pick up food here or there because there's likely not going to be that something that you can eat and like if you go to friends houses you have to prepare them it's it's a hard way to live it's restrictive and you have to be ready to commit to something like that. And I think sometimes like the super restricted ways of eating can hold people back because a lot of times when people start out saying like, I'm going to be very healthy and I'm going to start out this new way of being, they start with a really restrictive mm -hmm. path and it, it's just destined yeah. for failure. Like I'm remembering Justin, my brother, your son, when he he decided he wanted to be a vegan years ago, years before either of us did. Our, our whole family wanted to be a vegan. What the heck's going on with the I don't know. Yeah, I don't really know. I don't remember his reasons, but I do remember coming downstairs and seeing him pouring orange juice into his cereal and being so <laughs> grossed out. <laughs> it clearly did not last long for him. But um, yeah, he you know he started off with a really restricted approach, and yeah, it, yeah it's just hard to stick to. Come to think of it, I, I I guess I'm kind of strange. I mean, I try to stay away from carbs as well. And what do you eat? <laughs> I don't eat bread. I don't, I don't. If I make a sandwich, it's usually between two romaine lettuce leaves. Yeah, but you don't eat meat either. So what do you put on your non We have the meat. That commercial drives me crazy. I remember back in the 70s when Arby's first came out and they had those roast beef sandwiches with horsey sauce on it. Man, I'm tasting that now. My really? gastric That's juices are going crazy. Arby's? Oh, the, the old Arby's. I don't know because now it's highly salted. I don't what know. if you had one last meal to eat? What would you pick? Oh, my God. Don't say Arby's. That's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm going to think about it as we go along. I, I okay. just 42 things just went through my mind. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll let you think about it, but also um, your way of eating, I guess is really restrictive too, because you said you don't eat carbs, dairy, or meat. <laughs> That's right. Cardboard. <laughs> Seriously. I guess fruits and vegetables. Well, it's, it's, it's purely for health reasons. And I come from a long line of uh, cardio patients in my family history mm -hmm. and so, you know, it's it's really a conviction of health for me. Interesting. So that that's a strong why, right? Yeah. So like for me, it's easy because of my emotional attachment to animals. For you, it's easy because of your emotional attachment to your health. Uh, so I guess that that's the trick then. Yeah, I don't give a damn about the animals. I'm just kidding. 
just kidding. Of course, I care about the animals. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, the thing is, there are moral reasons and there are health reasons. And whatever your reason is, if it's if it serves you, you know, so you have to, that's, a, that's an interesting point. You have to define your intentions, don't you? What are my intentions yeah. uh, and when it comes to eating? I wrote down a quote that I went back into my journal from when I first started the vegetarian diet. So the night before I started it, I had done a lot of um, just oh, reading. Was that a phone? That was, that, that was, was, that I, was my order from Arby's coming in. <laughs> Arby's we have the meat. <laughs> I don't know how that just happened. Sorry about that. Um, so yeah, so I went back to the journal that I had from 2013 and Did I was you want reading... to get that phone? I mean, I, we will wait. No, I'll get, I'll get back to them later. <laughs> <laughs> it's podcast time. Um, sorry about that. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, in the journal, I wrote down this one quote that I thought was, you know, inspiring for me. I don't know if it'll be inspiring to you, but I wrote, take care of your body with steadfast fidelity. The soul must see through these eyes alone. And if they are dim, the whole world is clouded. So it's just my, it was my way of reminding myself uh, that. Did you say stud fast? I, I... Steadfast. Steadfast. Steadfast fidelity. Not S-T-U-D. No, steadfast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were talking just to the men in the audience. That's that's all. Studs. No, <laughs> take care of your body with steadfast fidelity. No, steadfast. I, 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 oh, dad. <laughs> I, I liked this quote because it reminded me of how your body is your way of interacting with the world like mm -hmm. there obviously there's so much more than your body there's your soul and your in your mind and all of those things but if your body is not healthy and your body is not clear of all of those chemicals that come with foods uh, and and just all of those hormones like then you can't you can't live your best life if you're not if your body mm -hmm. is not healthy so it's it was just my reminder like yeah. there's something more than just wanting to lose weight or look good like this is how you experience the world to live your best life. That's eating the right foods to live your best life. Now that's an incentive. Mm. Yeah, I, I like that quite a bit. You know, going back to setting your intentions, if if I, my intention is just, for example, to not eat carbohydrates, not eat breads, okay? So sometimes our thoughts get clouded and we go into what we call mind games. Well, just one piece, blah, 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 blah. And, and we tend to you kind of start confusing ourselves as to what our intentions were. Once you set your intentions, be aware of what I call quasi-facts. For example, mm -hmm. well, one piece isn't going to hurt me. Mm -hmm. um, that's probably true, right? But it's a quasi-fact because basically anything that goes against your stated intention has to be treated as a fiction, something that goes against the intention. So a quasi fact isn't really a fact that you need to embrace. It's something you need to reject. Mm -hmm. So we have factual thinking. This is my intention. We have fictional thinking. It's okay to eat ice cream, but then we have the quasi facts. Those are the facts that really confuse us. Um, I'll, I'll start tomorrow. Makes sense. Yeah not crazy but it can throw you off balance anything that is not explicitly in line with your intentions has to be rejected 
if if you want to be serious it's like you with with not eating meat well maybe just just a taste well that's a quasi fact because that goes against your intention right true Something with the intention too that I, I just remembered as you said that when I started this new way of living, new way of eating, I got a new, I know I always bring this up and you make fun of me, but I'm going to tell you anyway, I got a new bracelet that I in the morning <laughs> would, for, and I did this for a while until it became a habit, but I would actually connect with my why and my reason for for the way that I wanted to eat that day. And, and then I would put the bracelet on. And so whenever it was time to eat, like that bracelet was a visual reminder that I had already set my intention for the day and that I wasn't going to break it. I made fun of that. That's a wonderful suggestion. You did? Well, you usually make fun of my like millennial. Uh, oh, oh, true. You know, this like, is true. Like my, yeah. yeah. Well, that, that's, that's a transcendent behavior on your part not millennial you you mentioned before journal do you keep a food journal have you ever done that i have in the past i don't any longer yeah i know you're i know you said earlier in this podcast that you know everything every single thing you eat it's it's kind of compulsive but you know there was a study done and it was what was it the center for health research 1600 middle-aged men and women were followed and those that kept a regular food journal, just the process of keeping a journal, lost 50% more weight than mm. those who did not. So you have to ask the question, well, what does writing your food, what does a food journal actually do if you have this kind of a statistic? Yeah. Well, one of the things it does, it makes you conscious, doesn't it? It makes you much more aware and accountable. See, that's the word I like. If I'm going to stray and eat the meat, then if I have to go to my journal at night and wrote, I ate the meat, you know, that's accountability. You don't want to have to face up to that. So you might be more inclined to do or stay with your intentions. Yeah, I I agree with that. And it sort of helps the mindless eating become more conscious, as you said. For me, uh, it it did actually bring up feelings of guilt, like that I didn't like that because then I was associating guilt with food. And I think that's uh-huh. just like a weird cyclical problem. And so I stopped doing that. But what I did do because I, and, and it really was good information because for me, my issue was mindless snacking. Like during the day, I would just grab uh, little bits of food here and there and wouldn't actually equate that to my meals. It didn't, it didn't equate as this is something I'm eating. It was just like a quick handful of this and then a quick handful of that mm. before filled up my potato chip bowl four times or whatever <laughs> it was. But, um, but as I noticed that, so the journal was helpful for me because it helped me notice that. But now what I do is I'm fairly conscious about preparing snacks for the week ahead of time. So I'll like cut up vegetables. I'll have fruit ready. I'll have like healthy pretzels, whatever it is. So mm. that I'm con- I know that I need to be conscious when I go to pick out a snack. So I make sure not to um, let my mind be unconscious Very when good. I do that. You know, you, you mentioned, you know, getting another bowl of chips or whatever, you know, just kind of, uh, I, I always, I guess my biggest problem was I, I would call myself a volume eater. Mm. I would just eat and eat and eat. So what, what I devised, I call it my egg timer kind of solution. See, first of all, when we eat, by the time the food gets to the small intestines, it, it takes maybe 10, 15 minutes before the brain actually gets a notion 
that maybe it's had enough to eat. Mm -hmm. So if you're eating rapidly and shoveling food into your mouth, your brain is not registering this. You're still feeling famished, but you're eating twice as much as you would if you were to set a set portion, eat that portion, maybe get up and do the dishes, come back, and then decide then if you'll have a second portion. And oftentimes we don't have that second portion. So here's the trick. I call it my egg timer uh, experiment. And it's, it's, it's so brilliant. It's, Einstein would love this. You take an egg timer, you know, the old fashioned egg timers. Oh, yeah. now, you, now you're a millennial. You're going to use your Apple watch and you're going, <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, but I like the egg timer because you can hear it. go tick, 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 tick. And, and you set it for five minutes. You are not allowed to touch any food. You could drink water because water is good. Mm-hmm. You're not allowed to touch food. Once the egg timer goes off, if you still feel that you need that food, then you go for the seconds. But it gives your brain a chance to say, thank you for the food. Brain, the brain, I, I hear my brain telling me that. Right? That's an interesting voice your brain has. <laughs> yeah, so, so, you know, there are, there are ways that we, you know, we give into certain habits so easily and we just, we just don't realize that you know, the fact that uh, the satiety chemicals have to be registered by the brain, then Mm. of course you're going to overeat. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I know that there are some tricks that I've tried too, which you had said, drinking water, you know, while you wait before you have the second portion. I've tried that before. And also sometimes they say drinking a glass of water before you start a meal is helpful too. And what was the other trick? Um, oh, like if you're going out to eat, like if you're not totally in control of your portions and your food, if you're going out to eat that they sometimes say to have like an apple or something that you're very in control of that's super healthy that you have before you go so mm-hmm. that there's no part of you that's like starving when you get to a restaurant because then of course oh, like when your, the bread your, comes out and but your brain see had times to, to to get that signal that it had something to eat that's true too yeah because it takes time sure mm-hmm. yeah and so water you mentioned water uh, how important is water when it comes to losing weight would you say i would say water is really really important that's like the one thing uh that i you know before the wedding when i was trying to get rid of the COVID, uh, COVID pounds. Um, the one thing I really focused on was exercise and water. That was, and, and like I said, monitoring my snacks, but, Mm -hmm. but water, it's amazing how much that can change. Yeah. What about sleep? Last week we talked about sleep, right? Oh yeah. If you're not getting adequate sleep, you tend to eat more. Yeah, definitely. It doesn't, what what was the chemical you had taught us about? Adenosine, right? Oh, you remembered. I did. Oh, I'm so impressed. Adenosine, I remember. His voice sounded a lot like the voice you just used before. So drowsy. Time to go to sleep. Time to sleep. That's right. That was last week's podcast. <laughs> and, and of course, exercise, regular exercise. We know how important that is. When I'm exercising more, I'm also much more apt to choose healthy foods. And I'm more able to resist the unhealthy foods. I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's because I feel like I put in a lot of work and so I don't want to ruin it all Mm. or if there's a more chemical reason, but. Well, chemically, I mean, moderate exercise for most people causes ghrelin levels to drop. That's the hunger. I'm hungry chemical. (laughs) I'm hungry chemical. So moderate exercise causes ghrelin. I'm hungry those levels to, to 
<laughs> what are you laughing at? That's how Greeland talks. I would love a puppet show of like a, <laughs> a denizene and Greeland and whoever so, else we'll meet. So moderate exercise causes Greeland levels to drop, but, and Greeland is the, you know, the hunger chemical there, right? I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Right. But what it also does it is it allows your PYY hormone. I'm not even going to tell you what that's really called, but oh. it, it, it allows that level to rise. The PYY hormones are, are what really tell us that we're, we've reached satiety and we don't, we're not really hungry. Let's see, did we cover all the ground we need to? And are you going to keep a journal from now on? I don't think so. Why a do you, food journal? Yeah. Well, you don't, you don't feel you need to, right? Well, yeah. I, let's let's preface this. I'm sorry. I, we should preface it. If you're wanting to lose weight, and if you're wanting to really keep it off, mm. and you have any kind of struggle, that's kind of what we've been talking about today. Okay. Not, not somebody that's already there. That's that's fair. And also to say, somebody who wants to lose weight, you can start off with the food journal and see if it works for you. Because, yeah, I I just I hate when I hate to think that people have to put that much focus and attention on food all the time. So I guess if you can get into the healthy habits and sort of stick to it for, what do they say? 67 days forms a habit. So let's say about three months, if you were to be able to do a strict food journal, after three months, you're likely, you've likely reprogrammed your habits already. So you don't mm -hmm. need to do it for the rest of your life. Okay, uh, and, and I like that, but some people need, need the uh, accountability because you know they're coming from a very weakened place and their intention is not strong enough. You know, we look at these programs on TV. I, I get the biggest kick out of these where they deliver the food to your house and, and, and you see these foods, you know, the pizzas and, the, and the, the garbage and the cake and the brownies and they deliver it to your house and you lose 40 pounds in the first day, <laughs> the first 24 hours. And, and it's so funny. And you see these people, you know, they, they show the before and after pictures. Yep. And I get I get particularly funny about some of these athletes, you know, where they, they have big belly and they yeah, I lost 45 pounds yesterday. And and then you see them two months later announcing a, a game on TV and they, they're twice as big as they were when they yeah. started the diet. You know, so so, that, you know, that's why 80 percent of diets fail because and here's the key. We're, we're we're not changing our mind and we may we may be doing something that is altering our weight but if the mind doesn't change the mindset if we don't relate differently to food then mm. we're just going to yo-yo right back but does that surprise you that 80 percent of all diets fail does that surprise you not in the least yeah. no it doesn't surprise me what so what are our takeaways then for people that are wanting to lose weight well first of all the most important thing is let's stop calling it dieting did yeah. you know that by age 45 the average woman this was done in, in england the, the in this study by age 45 the average woman had been on 61 diets. wow that's a lot <laughs> so let's uh, yeah. let's get away like from the word diet we're talking about lifestyle changes Dieting is is a, is a fixed you know point of entry and exit, so it's temporary, and it's meant to be temporary. You know you have this maintenance period, which is garbage. You need to change your minds mindset toward food. You need to reframe how you just like you did, right? 
you reframed your whole perception of you and how you eat, right? Yes. So let's let's call it uh, just reframing how we eat. Get away from the diet concept, which is a temporary fix. It's a Band-Aid. If you really want to reach weight mastery, your relationship to food has to change. Mm. Or not, you know, do get on that yo-yo merry-go-round. It's uh, it's up to you. No, don't do it. <laughs> oh, oh, Lauren, oh gosh, I'm sorry. Can you? Do you know what time it is? <laughs> <laughs> I know what time it is. is it, it is time for a pep talk, a self-coaching pep talk. And today's pep talk is good intentions aren't always good. So it's easy to tell yourself that you're going to lose weight tomorrow. It's just as easy to insist you're going to get in shape tomorrow. Good intentions aren't necessarily a bad thing, but let's face it, more than not, good intentions are nothing more than excuses for wiggling out of today's responsibilities. So instead, rather than coddling yourself, decide what you want out of life and just do it today. I love it. Yay. You say that after every pep talk. I do, they're really good. They're very inspiring. Yeah, and that one for me, especially if any of my friends are listening to this, they will uh, comment on that because for the longest time, I would always say, I, you know, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it on Monday. <laughs> it was always Monday for me for some reason. So no coddling ourselves, right? We no. We've got to take responsibility. We've got to be tough. So any closing words from my dearest daughter? Mm. Um, I would say do, 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 get do, away do, from, do, from do. the yo-yo and into the pendulum. Mm. Mm. Um, <laughs> makes a hell of a lot of sense. <laughs> You know how the pendulum like kind of like goes in the middle? <laughs> Come on. Make sense of it for me. Come on. Well, because the yo-yo, it's like you go from one extreme to the other and back. Right, again. right, right. So the oh. pendulum is like finding balance in the center. Like if you can find a relationship with food that brings you balance and you're not always struggling. But see, I'm having a <laughs> but a pendulum is like a yo, it goes one side and the other no, side. No, no, no. A pendulum always ends up in the middle, doesn't it? Kind of like well, when it when it dies. Yeah. When it dies? Oh, God, I'm going to take back my words of wisdom. <laughs> I'll report back next week. We have, exactly what you, I mean. You better come up with it. Uh, you know what my word of wisdom is? Yeah, I hope it's. And it doesn't come from me. It comes come from? from Miss Piggy. Oh, great. And Miss Piggy says, never, ever eat more than you can lift. <laughs> That's great advice. And on that note. See you next week. See you next week. I got to go do some research on pendulums. No, no. I think you should go have that Italian hero. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'll think about it. All right. No, I won't think about it. With, with soy, <laughs> soy salami. Mm, yeah. <laughs> okay. Oil and vinegar. Oh, man. Okay. All righty. And visit our website, selfcoaching.net, where you can learn more about our self-coaching philosophy. And while you're there, Check out my latest number one best-selling book, Unlearning Anxiety and Depression, the four-step self-coaching program to reclaim your life. So until next time, remember that being victimized by emotional struggle is not an option. By definition, victims are powerless, and you 
are not powerless. And remember, everything is hard until you make it simple. So join Lauren and me every week. And let's make it simple together. Reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender. There is more than it seems. Hold on and fight. Follow your heart. This is your way. Life is what you make of it. Believe in yourself. Reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender. There is more than it seems. Hold on and fight.